Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and a short feature series, Remembering John Paul Jr., which focuses on the late race car driver's career in sports cars. Known as one of the most natural talents in the sport, Jr. became a champion in the International Motorsports Association's fearsome GTP class, won many of the biggest endurance races, and added a famous IndyCar victory to his growing reputation before his father's drug trafficking business ensnared the two in 1986. With his career halted during the 30 months he spent in prison, compounded by a refusal to testify against his father, John Paul Sr., the Indiana native returned to racing in 1989 and continued driving until the early 2000s. Altogether, the vast majority of Jr.'s exploits in racing came in sports cars, and I've assembled eight brief episodes with his friends, co-drivers, team owners, and an IMSA official to share their insights and appreciations for all that made John Paul Jr. such a beloved figure inside the sport. And in some of the interviews, our guests speak to the latter years of Junior's life, where he fought and ultimately succumbed to the neurological disorder Huntington's disease. Junior's close friend, author Sylvia Wilkinson, wrote a book titled 50-50 about his life and career before and after Huntington's impact. And while the book is sold in many places, you'd like to support his legacy, a purchase directly from Sylvia through the email address johnmortonracing@att.net. We'll send some of the proceeds to UCLA for ongoing research to combat the disease. So let's get going with second-generation racer and IMSA champion Butch Leitzinger. Got to drive with Junior, his family's Nissan GTU program, and then more frequently at Dyson Racing. This episode brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. You were actually John Paul Jr.'s most frequent teammate in his time in sports car racing. Two of you did more races together than anyone else other than his father. So I think that's uh, that's pretty darn cool. That's very cool. I, I, actually, I, I wouldn't have thought that just just knowing, you know, I grew up watching him race. Uh, you know, and I know he drove with John Morton a lot at, at Conti and through the years seeing him race so much. It's, it, I'm, I'm surprised that it's me, but I'm, I'm very honored that it's me too. The thing that I love about your your time together racing with John is this wasn't, I guess, one dimensional. It was multidimensional in that you and your father, one of IMSA's most famous father and son pairings. We can look at some others uh, as well, but really the uh, the John Paul Jr. and Senior dynamic, the Butch and Bob Leitzinger dynamic. There are a couple others in there. Holbert family we could probably look at, but. This is something that you had to know about um, when the two of you started driving together for the first time and where I think some folks might think, oh, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, Dyson and and Riley and World Sports Cars and such. And boy, how how amazing. There's this pretty amazing Nissan GTU program uh, run by your family where uh, the two sons of great distinction came together. Why don't we start there, Butch? Because maybe a little bit of the underserved portion of John Paul Jr.'s career. Yeah, well, and... And that was where I first saw firsthand how immensely talented he was. The, the, the race that he did with us was at Sebring in 92, and he wasn't scheduled to. He was uh, at that race, uh, it was going to be my father and David Loring in the primary car, and my brother and I, Ch- Chuck Kurtz, my brother, and I driving the second car. And I, I think it was a couple of days before the race, my brother fell ill to, to the point where he had to spend the night in the, in the hospital. As we were just doing it, two drivers per car, you know, we were 
in a, a desperate situation. David, you know, said, "Well, JP's over here, and he, he was only doing like he didn't actually have a ride for the for the race. He was just doing the uh, I forget what it was called. It was Motorola Cup or whatever it was back then, but just the kind of streetcar thing, which is which is a crime that that's all he had. But kind of how he was struggling at the time with people giving him rides. Pointed to JP, and you know, actually, my mom was uh, a huge John Paul fan. We, you know, we 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 met him in the '80s whenever he was winning everything in the Porsche." And he's just so kind and, and friendly. And, you know, after that, every time he saw my mom, he'd stop and talk to her. And, you know, so she, so she was already a huge fan. So as soon as that possibility came up, everyone was, was happy and jumped on it. But the funny thing is he, I don't think he actually got in the car until morning warm-up. Did the, you know, probably three or four laps of, of warm-up. And he started the race in that car. And my, my dad actually moved over to my car. Uh, and my brother had started to recover. So it was going to be the three of us in, in the uh, second car. But uh, I, I was starting the second car. And being cocky little brat, I figured, well, you know, John hasn't had any laps in the car, so, you know, I'll take off at the beginning of the race and kind of show him who's boss. <laughs> and, and of course, at the drop of the green, he absolutely just took off. And, and I, I never saw him again. You know, after a couple laps, you know, the brake lights had, had gone out of, out of the distance. And, and, and that's basically how the whole race went. Uh, David and, and John won, and, and, uh, and we were second in the, in, the, in the other car. And that I love because just part of his mythology right? This is one of motor racings, but since we're sticking to sports cars, definitely one of sports car racing's all-time great universal tools. Hey, Junior, could you climb into this thing that you've never seen, never driven, have no experience in whatsoever, and deliver immediately? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Let's go do it. And he's someone who I know there was great fondness that developed uh, with you and your family. And also, again, just something where if you look at his achievements and his capabilities, whether it's GTU cars or world sports cars, there's a guy that when you got to drive with him, as you did so many times, have to wonder what that was like, Butch, looking at somebody who you knew, but you're finally getting a, a feel for what made him special. What stood out to you? He, he was just so naturally gifted. I mean, he, he just had this inner ability. Get in a car and in a couple of laps, he's, he was already extracting everything out of it. And, you, you, you know, from watching him also, he was not like James Weaver in that, like, when you were watching him go around the track, you could see that the car was absolutely, you know, on the limit. Uh, he was incredibly exciting to watch. And he just had that ability to recognize where the limit was and just hold the car on that. You know, it, it, it was very humbling as a as a co-driver with him because because he was so immediately fast you know I, I would probably hog a lot of the practice time just because you know we knew that jp was going to be on the pace so you know, you know the the more valuable way to spend the time was for me to to get up to speed he, he, he was truly talented but you know but also what, what you were like you couldn't help but like him you know he was just such a modest there, there, there have been a lot of great race car drivers right but I don't think you could go through the paddock or uh, all the people who spent time with him and find anyone to say a negative thing about him. You know, he was just such a, a lovely guy. And speaking of lovely, there is some lovely success and a pretty regular appearance on podiums between the two of you thinking, again, maybe the most recognized point in time, that being in the Dyson Racing, Riley and Scott Mark III, that Ford Howling V8. Now, granted... We're not talking GTP era craziness, vehicular insanity, but there's absolutely nothing to take away from how impressive the WSC cars were, how quick they were, and what they were capable of doing. Share, if you could, 
some insights about, uh, I would say, bulk of your time with John Paul Jr., you know, whether it's winning in most sport, podium here, podium there, that gorgeous, uh, those gorgeous Riley and Scott's and the, the Dyson Racing liveries. I have to imagine there's some pretty fond memories from that time with him as well. Now, there was a span, I mean, I think it was probably like the end of 96 through, I want to say all of 97, where I think every time that he drove with me, we won. You know, it was you know, he was like not only my good luck charm, but you know, he was the you know the real talent. And actually, kind of going back a little bit, it was because of John that I actually ever got a seat at Dyson in the first place. Really? Because he was scheduled to actually be one of the drivers at Daytona in '95 when the Riley first came out. Uh, it was going to be Rob, James, John, and Scott Sharp. At, at the time, Rob was kind of unsure if he's going to do a whole season or kind of pick a few races or what he was going to do. And John got an offer to do the BMW program with Milner. Yeah, PTG. Right. And it was a full season factory deal. And, and Rob being Rob, you know, he, he recognized that that was a, a, a good position for, for John and, you know, and, and let him go. And, and it was because I'd been, you know, like I sent like a horrible mini press kit, you know, from my dot matrix printer, you know, of, of myself, <laughs> you know, like, like trying to like, beg for any kind of test driver or anything that, that Dyson might need. So, so they needed somebody and, and Rob, just, I, my, I don't know if my phone number is on the top of the desk or what, but I, I, I got the call. You know, so that was the beginning of my relationship with them. You know, and, and again, kind of like the Sebring story, a couple races into the season, uh, we had two cars and, uh, and, and John wasn't racing for, I think there wasn't GT racing, I think, at this Halifax race. So John joined us. And again, it was one of those humbling things where third lap of practice, JP was on the top of the charts. You know, and, and and my thought was, well, there, there, there goes my ride because obviously he just showed who, uh, you know, how, how great he was again. You know, fortunately for me, he, he, he still had other races to do with BMW. So I kept coming back for Dyson. But you mentioned uh, Mossport. That is one of the greatest races that I ever saw him drive. It's spoken uh, of as just one of the legendary, most iconic performances by junior ever and the story behind it i started the race you know brought, brought the car in halfway through the race and then john hopped in and that was when pappas was driving the the momo ferrari and for the rest of the race it was just nose to tail john was like a one second lead over pappas every time uh they would go by it was like the same same gap and and they were just driving furiously fast and it came down to the end and it was uh it was very tight on fuel and actually the, the race previous uh, i think was at, as at sears point and we were leading that race and ran out of gas with like a lap or two to go you know, it was very tight and back then we didn't have telemetry we, we didn't have you no know, very good instrumentation at all so it was kind of a put your thumb up and, and guess whether you're going to make it or not mm. pat smith on the last lap told john to go to reserve so so, so john flicked the reserve switch but you know sometimes if, if it's not primed especially the car bobbles a bit and it, it bobbled and max got by on the last lap and john was so furious with it that he did this amazing move at the on the last turn at at mossboard and uh and, and dove on the inside uh, of, of max and got by <laughs> and a couple of funny things about that is that you know it must have been on the thursday before the race for some reason john and i were, were walking around the track which we didn't normally do but we did and, and we got to the the last turn and the, the pit entrance is there and john just looked at it and he said you know you could pass someone here <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 
And I kind of looked at him like, yeah, or you could, but, you know, that's okay. You know, and that's exactly what he did. He, he used the pit entrance and gave Max a, a big hip check and uh, and got through it. And, and the funny thing also is, at the, you know, this was back in, in the old days, and, you know, we didn't have TVs in the pits. We, we couldn't follow anything. So all that we knew, for the start the last lap, John's in the lead, and, you know, we're waiting for him to come around, and he pops up out of the last turn in the lead. You know, we, we, we heard the crowd screaming, you know, <laughs> going crazy. <laughs> but but John came out in the lead with oh I guess they cool. just really like John you know yeah there you go normal <laughs> day normal day <laughs> and it wasn't until like on the podium John leaned over and 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 explained what happened it, uh, you know and then you know getting home and seeing it on 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 video was uh, it was just one of the, the best moves I've ever seen. Let's close on this Butch so. There's more success, right? Uh, 97 Daytona and, you know, there, there's certainly more awesome finishes for the two of you or you as a, you know, bigger endurance racing entry. What do folks need to know? What do fans who maybe were born after uh, he retired or fans who are somewhat new to sports car racing have heard his name, maybe read that he recently passed, but weren't able to witness his brilliance behind the steering wheel. What can you tell them? What should they know about beloved teammate of yours in terms of talent and uh, just magical performances that he delivered? You know, the, the inherent talent that he had and his ability to extract it. And also, you know, he, he was, you know, t- to a fault, you know, he would never, ever make a, an excuse about anything to the point of where sometimes he would take the blame, you know, if, if the wheel fell off the car, he would, you know, he would, you know, somehow, would, you know, kind of say, sorry, sorry, guys, sorry, sorry, I did that. You know, that, that wasn't you, John. Uh, he, he was someone that you, you know, never had to think twice, you know, whether you, you, you handed the car to him at a pit stop. You never had to worry. He was never going to leave anything on the table, you know. And, and he was just such a decent, lovely person. And and, and right up to the end, you know, I, I was able to, to talk to him uh, a week before he, he he passed. And you know, even then, and knowing what was what was coming, just the the positivity that he had. He he was really just a, a, a special person. Thanks once again for listening to remembering John Paul Jr. Thanks as well to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com for supporting all we do. This is your first time listening. You might pay a visit to marshallpruittpodcast.com. We have more than 1,000 episodes awaiting your perusal, plus a lovely little subscribe page where you might follow along with all the new content we generate.